Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. We find answers to all your dog questions so you can get the most out of life with a dog. Beautiful. Yay. Izzy, I'm going to come back from California so damn tan and you're going to be really jealous of me. I am. You know what? I do have a very small tan on my shoulder. I don't know if you can see it. Wow. Look at that. I have a tan shoulder. (laughs) one tan shoulder. Yeah. It's going to be so good. I got my pasty whites out today and I'm (laughs) hoping that they'll get a tan and they won't look like milk bottles for much longer. (laughs) Milk bottles. Yes. Are you saying your legs look like milk bottles? They do. Is that? (laughs) They reflect the sun. (laughs) That's Seattle for you right there. It's just everyone's pasty white. And then they get really active and then they get really tan for like four months of the year. It sucks because my passport photo was taken in Thailand and because I got, I had to get a new passport while I was over there and I was so brown. And anytime I go on vacation, I'm like, one day. (laughs) Like if you look at pictures of me and Chase from when we first met, we're both just so tan. (laughs) I'm like, why? <laughs> we were so cool. I mean, that's for every relationship out there. It's like when you look at your picture when you first met, you're like, dang, we looked great. And then it's like, <laughs> we got what happened? Fat and happy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got a tan shoulder. Is that from your gardening? Kind of. Yes. I started a balcony garden, um, which I'm very excited about. Got lots of herbs and spices growing. Um, So I currently have, and I got a fruit bush. Um, So I've got a blueberry bush, some rosemary, some thyme, some mint. I just planted sage and oregano um, and I potted some lavender up in there too. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited. I've actually never cooked with sage before. So I don't know. I don't know what you... polenta cakes once. They were like sage. Yeah. And I put like a little thing of sage, like a leaf of sage on it and then like, and then seared it on one side, like to make it like a little pancake kind of thing. And then, so it was like the leaf was like encrusted in it. It was good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, Arthur has been eating the potting soil. He's been (laughs) loving it. So he he comes out and I'm like, where's Arthur been? Like he's been knocking about for a while. And then he comes in with dirt all over his face and he's like what what did what does he like about it do you think is it like you should taste it and tell me I don't know because <laughs> he only likes it when it's fresh oh like right out of the bag yeah and then once it's been in the pot for a couple of days he doesn't really like it it's like no interesting yeah. so any fresh it must be the manure oh yeah that makes it has sense to be yeah <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, we've had to put everything on like little stools or something so he doesn't end up getting diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just from eating potting soil. <laughs> well, he ate that a bunch of goose poop once and that didn't end well. So oh, no. Yeah. What a little bit fun. I know that was <laughs> a fun trip to the ER. <laughs> Just eating the most random crap. I love it. He loves rabbit poop as well. And now it's spring and there's all the little babies around. He'll mm-hmm. be walking. Obviously, you can't really see rabbit poop in the grass. Yeah. But you can tell he's eating it. Oh, yeah. He's so close like, to the ground, too. That yeah. would be, I always thought about that when we were in London and um, 
there's like food in the gutters or something, you know, like someone had a great night out and there's like a chicken wing <laughs> in there and, and, you know, all the like people who have the drenchies, there's just like food on the streets. And I was fortunate <laughs> enough to have, I was fortunate enough to, that Lupin was tall. And so I could see the food, you know, he'd have to like lean down to get it. And I'd be like, no. And like, don't eat that and, and all, everything. But I was like, oh, the smaller dogs, they could just be like eating whatever off the ground. Yeah. You wouldn't, unless you were constantly watching them. Yeah. You wouldn't it's, know. Sometimes I see him chewing and I'm like, I've, let's just watch you for the next few hours and hope it wasn't poisonous. Because <laughs> I just have, would have no idea. And if you go near him to take it out of his mouth, he swallows it faster. Yeah. So. It'd be hard to get the potting soil too. He's just snacking yeah. away. Well, once he, did I tell you about the brownie that he ate? No. Oh my God. So I just had my nails done. Like I literally got back from the nail salon. Mm-hmm. Don't get my nails done that that often, but I had my nails done. Took Arthur for a walk and he picks up this street brownie, which I thought was, <laughs> I thought it was At least a brownie in the street. Like, and it was full, like not even a bite taken out of it. What kind of standards and, do people have? Why would you would ever you, leave food, like good food like that around? And I will tell you that it, if it wasn't on the street, it probably was a really good brownie because I had to reach into Arthur's mouth and grab it. And my fingers went straight through the middle and it was gooey. It would have been a good brownie. It was a good brownie. People yeah. leaving this shit around. Well, no wonder he ate it. And he's like, I can tell. That's yeah. a good one. Pulled it out of his mouth. We're on a busy road. So everyone saw. Yeah. And I was like flicking brownie off my fingers and I was like, oh, I just have my nails done. Oh, it's probably messed them all up. Oh, my God. I'd be so mad. <laughs> I was so, so angry. Yeah. So angry. But I'm glad that he didn't actually eat it because that yeah. would have been another trip to the ER. Yeah. And then the whole chocolate thing. And then you're like, is it a pot yeah. brownie? Who knows? Who knows? You know, all the all the worries involved <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, Arthur. That's cute. He's funny. Yeah. He's Eating a funny guy. Soil. I know. How is uh, California? Great. It's great. Um, For those of you who do not know, I went down to, I drove down to California, me and Loopy, to visit my mom, surprise my mom for Mother's Day. And um, it's great. It's very sunny. I'm able to, we said hi to my grandma for Mother's Day, like through the window of her like assisted living home. And, um, And so I'm able to see my family kind of at a distance, uh, just a couple of them. And, you know, we're still trying to be safe and everything. But it's it's actually so great because I can't go anywhere. Like nowhere's open, obviously. And I can't actually do these long visits with my family, which is, you know, not ideal. But it leaves me with a lot of time to just sit outside in the sun. And (laughs) so it's like a vacation for me that I didn't know I needed until I've been sat outside, you know, just a little iced tea in hand, got my bathing suit on, just hanging out. Lupin's happy camper sitting outside too in the sun. His allergies aren't nearly as bad down here, which is interesting. Mm. Um, So, you know, and I'm pretty sure he's getting fed random stuff by my parents. You know, I'm like, he has allergies. And they're like, oh yeah, he has allergies. And I'm pretty sure they still, he still gets like snuck a little piece of egg or steak and all that. <laughs> um, so he's happy and yeah. So life's good. That's great. Yep. Going to come back to, of course, the week I leave though, Seattle's like gorgeous and super sunny. Yeah. 
That's amazing. Yeah. It's great. Although I don't like it when it's too hot because I just can't do anything. It's all right to just veg and get tan. But if you want to do anything else, it's just a bit of a pain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's been nice that I'm just like, I walk outside and I tan. And then if I get too hot, I come back inside (laughs) and into the air conditioning. And then I walk back outside again. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I agree. It's been nice, but I am looking forward to the summer in Seattle for it to get sunny again and we can just live. So I can do that at home, you know, yeah. live that lifestyle. I don't have to drive 13 hours um, down here and to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always nice. That would be nice if it was in Seattle <laughs> soon. Um, I'm eager to see if, if Albie can swim too. Lupin will, he can swim. He refuses to. I'm eager to see if Albie can, um, or if he wants to even, because then we can do a little bit more water stuff. But does Arthur Arthur swim? Arthur went for his first, well, he has swam before, but I guess this is his first proper unassisted swim. Unassisted? How did you assist him before? Um, I put a life jacket on him and I like hoaxed him with treats into the water until he swam a bit. Oh, okay. I was picturing you like treading water, holding him. As he swam too, I was like, or had like some kind of like crane situation, like holding him in the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. They weren't like proper swims. It was like, he was, his feet were barely off the ground. Yeah. Um, and yeah, today we went to one of the dog parks that just reopened and it's right next to the river. Um, so we went there and I had flip-flops on. So I went into the river about calf deep and hoaxed. Arthur onto my rock and then he just went for a swim all on his own so so proud and he did actually start going to the other side of the river and I had to like call him back and the look of terror on his face because he was like oh god what is this what am I doing I screwed up I didn't like this so he like came back to me and uh like quickly hopped onto one of the rocks and was just like oh finally that's so good it was probably such a good workout for him the little swim that he's not used to plus his little terror his little anxiety moment you know exhausted him too (laughs) oh a nice happy tired dog yeah once the adrenaline wore off yeah I'm sure he was pretty tired but it's good because like he I do admit I should have put a life jacket on him just in case. Um, And when he did start going to the other side, I did have a minor heart attack and I do have a life jacket for him. And I just didn't, I just didn't think I was going to get him to swim today. So, um, but I was ready to jump in and save him if needed. So as any, as any dog mom would do. It was a really nice river to jump in. So I'm always a little nervous with the river with like, especially smaller dogs. But or just people who let their dogs just go out with without a life jacket, without mm-hmm. anything, they just like th- chuck the ball way far away, and then there's like a current in the river yeah. as well. And I'm especially noticed, if they're tired, yeah, I'm always just like a little, and you can tell they're like, you know, they've been chasing the ball in the river for like 30 minutes or whatever, and they're getting tired. I'm always, I'm always have this like mild panic for the dog when because you can see them kind of huffing and puffing, like trying to get the ball and then trying to come yeah. back and. Yeah, I did see, I saw, it was actually quite amazing. I saw a English bulldog. Was it an English bulldog? 
some, I mean, maybe it was a mix. Maybe it was like an English bulldog boxer mix because it wasn't like super wrinkly, mm-hmm. but it was, it was like, wasn't as big as a boxer. I think it was like some kind of in between and, um, had a life jacket on, which was in the shape of a mermaid's tail. It was amazing. Great. <laughs> and, but they were like checking the ball really far and it's kind of huffing and puffing to get back. And I was like, Ooh, you have such a squishy nose. Like, can can you breathe okay while you swim? I don't know. <laughs> that's true yeah. with like the bracky breed. That's like the extra, an added thing that you don't know or like how yeah. does it affect their swimming? But the dog was so happy. Good. So happy. Yeah. Like couldn't wait to go and get the ball again. So dog. And if he did have a cute time. little life vest on, the parents probably knew like what his end point was and what he could yeah. do and everything. So cute. Um. So on to another topic, Old Dog Haven. We were doing a fundraiser kind of over the past couple of weeks with them. We had them on two weeks ago. We interviewed their executive director and because of COVID, their fundraiser was canceled. So they were doing kind of a different fundraiser this year. And um, we asked all of you to give us reviews. And I believe we got 12 reviews over the course of that week. Was just So that was amazing for everyone who supported us in that way and supported Old Dog Haven. So for each review, we donated $10. So we got 12. We just rounded it up to $150. So we gave $150 to Old Dog Haven. And that felt really good last week. So we just wanted to say thank you to everyone who participated. So also... That donation was generously matched by Animal Surgical and Orthopedic Center in Seattle, Washington. So thank you very much to those guys. Um, They're a great bunch of folks. That sounded stupid. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's shout out to them. That was so good that they were able to participate and support us and Old Dog Haven in that way. And I think they were also... They also had something on their Facebook where they were matching up to $500 for people who also donated. So um, they're a really great bunch of people. Thank you so much for doing that. So thank you, everyone, Animal Surgical and everyone who gave us a review for your support. I know Old Dog Haven really appreciated it. Uh, So on to this week's episode, we have Jessie, who is an animal control officer. And she's just, she's just such a badass. Like I'm, I was so excited to talk to her. She's so legit. Yeah. She's just really, really cool. I agree with that. First and foremost, um, we've actually both worked with her in the past, um, which is, it was really nice for us to be able to catch up. Cause I know it's been a while since we've all been in the same room. In fact, I don't even think we have all been in the same room and by room, I mean, internet room. Yeah. Video chat. Um, video chat. Um, so it was really nice to catch up with her. Um, and she has a really impressive repertoire of things that she has achieved in her life, which I think most people would be quite envious of. Um, so she did, uh, what do you say? How do you say it? Like she served. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She yeah. served in the military, Yeah, um, which is awesome. Uh, she was a wildfire fighter for a little while and she's just such a genuine and humble person considering she's achieved so much. She's has so much knowledge and she's really, really approachable, which was so nice for us interviewing her. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we could just ask her any question and she would be an open book and there was no judgment on how stupid <laughs> that we sounded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think 
I think it was just so cool to have her on because she, I mean, everything that Izzy just said as far as all the stuff that she's achieved, but you can just see that she's dedicated her life to animals, not just all of the animals that she has herself, but just the work that she's done. She's done a lot of work with various shelters and ASBCA kind of deployment for like emergency situations. And and then as animal control officer, I think sometimes there's a stereotype that comes with that job, which we'll talk about a little bit in the interview. But I think it was just so cool that that's what her next step is and that she's kind of thrown herself into it with a with a whole heart as well. So yeah, so uh let's get her on the show. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um so j- welcome Jesse to the podcast. We're really happy to have you on. Um so we actually me and Carly both know Jesse and we've both worked with her in the past. But we're gonna kick it off and have you explain to our listeners kind of what you do for a living, um, about yourself, about your personal life, professional life, um, and how you've got to where you are today. And your all your animals. And all the animals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I came to work in the animal control field by starting at animal shelters. I worked for a few years at a local shelter in West Michigan. Then when I moved out to Seattle, I started working at a local animal shelter here. Um, In between, I did seasonal work for the forestry, the U.S. Forest Service, and even I was stationed in South Dakota at one point, and even there, I'd find the closest shelter and just go and kind of just walk your dogs. Is there any way I can help out? So just maintaining familiar with animals and their behavior, especially dogs. I also did a deployment with the ASPCA. Um, They have certain deployments where you can help for situations where dogs or cats are in a hoarding situation and there's just a mass population. So they ask for volunteers and they fly you wherever they need you and basically just feed them, care for them, kind of the basics. So that, that was an amazing experience. And after a few years at the shelter out here in Seattle, I started applying to animal control jobs um, and I started to hear from them. And I got really fortunate. I feel like it was a combination of my shelter experience and my military experience that got me that position. So once I pursued that career, I did go for two weeks at the Animal Control Academy. So, and that's why I'm where I am today. I am still learning. It's a never ending job. We're working with living creatures. So I took a pet nutrition course last semester and in fall, I'm going to take a dog behavior and evolution course. For your masters, is that yes. yep. okay? Awesome. So you're really you're really going all for it with the animal. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, you have quite a few adopted animals. You have a little zoo going on, and I want to hear yes, about we it. Do. <laughs> I always joke if the neighbors are judging us, they really should be because we judge ourselves. <laughs> we have um, three cats: Oliver, Lola, and Mimi. And then we have one permanent foster from Old Dog Haven. Zorg. Um, we believe he is a minpin and chihuahua mix. He's got 12 face and a minpin body. And then we also have inherited a hedgehog. And then we also have a bearded dragon. And I don't want to leave the fish out. So we also have a fish tank. And um, how do they all get along? How do they all interact together? Or do they not? <laughs> not too much. Um, the bearded dragon came into the picture when all the cats were kittens so actually she was here before the cats so they became acclimated to her right away 
Uh, two out of three cats are scared of her, which is perfect. <laughs> One that will get curious and try to do a little head tap every once in a while, even <laughs> though she knows she's not supposed to because she's looking for us. And if she sees us, she kind of stalks away like I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dog, they do really well with the dog. Um, we opted for a smaller guy because it is the first interaction with a dog. So it's a perfect fit. They, they sniff each other. Um, our orange tabby seems to be the most interested in the dog. He goes up to do his little headbutt. And Zorg, the dog's always like, what, what is this about? Why are you doing this? So, <laughs> but we are fortunate they all get along. And the hedgehog stays in her cage. She's, every once in a while we take her out and I have a little pen for her. And the cats will try to get in there. And I always tell them, I'm like, she's spiky. Don't do it. I'm more worried about you. But we're really fortunate. Well, that's Cute. good to know. Yeah, I can imagine that being a little bit difficult if they all didn't get along. You probably wouldn't have any spare time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Animal Control Academy. Is that what it was? Yes. What yes, is yeah. what was that? Was that like a like hell week, deep intensive, <laughs> like <laughs> this is everything you need to know for the job kind of yeah. thing? It was, I really enjoyed it. It's actually held at the same place where the police academy is. Um, so we go through a lot of the legalities. So we touch on Washington state law. And what that entails. So what's required for a dog if it lives outside? Um, what probable cause do we need to make contact with somebody? So understanding that and then a lot of what we wanted working at the shelter hands-on, but then behavior. What kind of signs are dogs giving us? Um, the same will go with medical conditions. So for us, getting a hot dog out of a car, we do have to prove that it's a life or death situation. So if I'm in court, what are those signs that I saw? How am I proving that this was one of those situations where the animal needed to be removed from that vehicle? So we touch a lot on those type of aspects. It gives us more confidence when we're in the field that we're making the right decisions. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about kind of what your day-to-day job entails and what that kind of looks like? Absolutely. Every day it's going to be a little bit different um, because where I work, I take 911 calls. So it depends really what comes to my office. Um, In the summer, very commonly it is dogs, as I mentioned, in hot vehicles, or even I've had cats in hot vehicles. I've had goats in hot vehicles. So (laughs) our community is looking out for all species. But um, it will also be dogs off leash where they shouldn't be, or dogs on a park where there's no dogs allowed. It may also be animals running at large, barking calls. There's a huge variety. Um, we also deal with wildlife, so we get injured wildlife every once in a while. Um, we are at the time of year. I know this isn't dog related, but this time of year we start to get a lot of calls regarding crows. When the young are learning to fly, they will hobble on the ground and they can't quite fly yet, but they look like they're injured. So people will actually, if they try to get near a young, the parents, it sounds scary, but most of the time they don't want to make contact with you, but they will dive bomb you. So I get a lot of calls, people concerned for their own safety and concerned for the baby on the ground. (laughs) The crows are attacking me. (laughs) Exactly. And most of the time it takes one or two days. If it's raining, maybe three or four for the young to learn to fly. 
but that's this time of year we're coming up where we get a lot of those. Um, so biggest thing I say is just give them a little space. After a few days, they will take off. But yeah, it's a yeah. large variety of cows. And I can imagine, well, if I'm walking Arthur and he sees a little baby crow on the floor, he's going for it. I mean, I would never let him get the baby crow, but he'll, he would want to get it for sure. So I'm sure a lot of people are like, my dog nearly took me down because he was trying to get to this crow and then mama crow came and died on his <laughs> I, I have pathetically been out in my animal control vehicle coming out with an umbrella looking real professional, like watching out for mom, dad, or um, crows also keep one young from the previous, um, I don't say litter, but batch of young. And that one will stay around and help raise the next siblings. So that there will actually be sometimes three adults looking out for that baby. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. Wow. Better like, than most yeah. kids. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and so how... How is it all funded? Um, is it per, because I know that different, um, different departments are funded by different parts of the government. So it can be yeah. kind of Parks and Rec or PD. Can you explain a little bit of that to our listeners, please? Oh, absolutely. Um, me, I work for a PD. So mine comes and I'm a city jurisdiction. So I come from the same pocket as the police department, which would be the city taxes. But each jurisdiction is a little different. So I have worked somewhere where they were also a city, but as you mentioned, they were under parks and rec. So it came from that pocket. So it really depends upon how that jurisdiction is set up and how they need their animal control to operate. Where I work for the PD, the one that's under parks and rec, they work at the local animal shelter. So when they come into work, they go and they do, they may help with adoption, clean the kennels and help with different aspects of the shelter. I come in, I'm very similar to the officers where I go in and I keep an eye on my dispatch and respond to those type of calls. But it's really up to individual needs for that specific location. So on the day to day, you will like go into the office and then just wait for whatever calls come in, like you said, the dispatch and then go out on those. So you're not, you're not covering a huge, huge jurisdiction where you're like working out of your car. Cause I know I've had experience with other animal control officers and that's kind of what theirs was. It was yeah. like, they get the sheets for the day and then they were just gone driving around the countryside basically. Yes. And that's a very good point. <clears throat> actually the current County we're in, they have their own animal control and they're actually in different parts. So one might be in North County, one might be in Southeast. And they all take, as far as I know or have been informed, they take their vehicles home. And exactly that. They have a larger space to occupy. So where I have, I come in, I go into my office, um, and I also take office calls. So if those come in. And then if I do have downtime, I have a list of locations that have been, for lack of a better word, problem areas for loose dogs, barking dogs, aggressive animals. I will patrol those areas. And sometimes it's just to have a presence kind of pulling up in my animal control truck is a way of waving my hands in the air without actually waving my hands in the air. Just <laughs> saying, I'm here. Make sure if you have your dog here, you're doing the right thing. Okay. That sounds like it would be actually a lot more of an appealing job from my perspective, at least <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to go in and have your office, have your own space. And because that was one of the things that was 
I mean, not that I was really hardcore pursuing that type of career path, but for me, when I saw that other people that I had talked to, it was like, you know, fast food, living out of the car, kind of just day in and day out. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to drive around in the truck all day. It is really, right? And it's really interesting how each animal control jurisdiction can vary so much between even neighboring cities. So exactly. And that's why I say I love where I work. It's a good fit for me. But then my neighboring county, their animal control loves their job. It's different than mine. And it's a perfect fit for them. I do enjoy working in a smaller community. And if I have a slower day, I'm like, all right, my goal is to go and patrol every park today. Rarely happens. But <laughs> I like to have those goals. Of, okay, I'm going to try and make this happen. And it allows me to also be consistently productive and get to know the community quite a bit more. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's probably really nice to get to know the people in the community and for them to get to know you too, because if they do yes. see something, <clears throat> excuse me, if they do see something, they're more likely to say, oh yeah, I, I know the animal control officer. She's really nice and approachable. She's going to take care of this animal. I that hope they're saying annoyed. that. <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen people in my civilian clothes and they're like, hey, you helped me find your dog. And I'm like trying to remember, but then I'm like, here's my dog. I'm like, oh, that's Ben. How are you doing? (laughs) Are you able to bring Zorg with you at all? Like, can he like ride in the front seat and then no? No, unfortunately. I've had an emergency situation where I did bring him to work, but typically not. Just because I do handle calls as 911, I need to be 100% when I'm there and all my attention. And the dogs are supposed to ride in the back of the vehicle. Um, I have had ones where I removed them from a hot vehicle. And I'm like, well, I have AC up here. I feel like the right thing to do is to give you the passenger seat. So, but for their safety. And because some dogs may not look good. I'm driving down the road in my animal control truck. And the dog's just like, oh, I'm going to jump on your lap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Now that you say that, it's like you want your attention fully on that type of emergency situation. and Exactly. And I don't know these animals personally. So if they got stressed and maybe gave me, hey, they weren't, I mean, not aggressive, but we all act differently when we're fearful. So also putting them in the back, they're more secure and I want to put them in a situation that they're going to succeed. And just kind of going back when you said that, um, you know, you're kind of waiting for those 911 calls. Yeah. Um, are they like 911 animal emergencies and what do they look like typically? They, good, great question. Um, Yes, we have 911 and there is also a back line for where we work because I do have individuals that are, but it's not an emergency if the dog's barking and running loose. And I love that people put that much weight on calling 911. So I always tell them, if you don't feel comfortable with those three digits, I have a back line for them to please call. Um, those are commonly either, unfortunately, a dog bite or loose dogs running around. I do. I work on a beach. Every once in a while, I get concerned for a beach seal or sea lion. I still get super excited about those. <laughs> but it it really varies. Um, again, it's the dogs or cats, any animals in a hot vehicle is a big one, too. So it's a day-to-day basis. Really, it's anything that the community believes is an emergency requires my services so it's hard to say exactly because there's not an exact box that everything's right. gonna fit perfectly to as I try to tell citizens I work with if you're not sure call me I would rather get 19 or you know 20 I have 20 calls and find out the animal's okay than someone not call because they're 
free. Is it really that critical? Don't hesitate to let me make that decision. Yeah. I mean, that's your job is to make that decision (laughs) and and go. (laughs) Um, So I think there's a lot of common misconceptions out there about animal control officers. What would you most like the public to know about your role or, you know, anything that may like debunk some of these stereotypes? I love this question. So a big thing is our position has evolved. We're no longer running down the road with a big butterfly net trying to catch dogs. (laughs) It's um, we're more there to assist people. If we pick up a dog or a cat, my number one goal is to get them back to the home where they belong. And then another thing I really want people to know is when we get a call. So if I go to talk to someone regarding a barking dog, or we don't want our dogs to bite, but sometimes, unfortunately, they end up in a situation where they do fail and bite. We are, our goal is never to take your pet away. Unfortunately, I do receive that reaction probably every other week. Mm. And a big thing is I tell people, I, my goal is not to, unless your dog is in a dangerous situation or they're causing a danger to somebody else, my goal is to never take your animal away. And that's a frequent one with barking complaints or I've even had people at animal family had an emergency and they actually had to go take care of someone in the hospital and they left their dog in the car, which still wasn't appropriate on a hot day. So we did talk about it and there were repercussions, but me removing that dog from a loving family that really did care about them wasn't going to be advantageous for that dog. So, or when I go to a complaint where we're trying to resolve a barking complaint and a lot of times you're like, well, I'll just, do you want me to just get rid of my dog? You can't, or it's, you can't take my dog away. That is never my goal. I never go in. That's not my primary intention. Mine is to resolve the issue, make the dog happy. So the owner's happy. And so is anybody that is finding calling with the company. Yeah. So it's more of an, like, it's really, it's more of like a community education role. Yes. Is at least where I work. Out. Yeah. At least just figuring out what's going on and how it can be resolved rather than you've done bad and now you have to pay yeah. for it. <laughs> yes. So if it's a cruelty or neglect case, that can definitely vary. Yeah. But with the more routine calls that are barking dogs or let's find a way. So your dog, you have a husky that has learned how to jump an eight foot fence. How can we, let's figure out some solutions here. So Coda is no longer running down near 76 or highway 99. So my job is more to come in and how can we find a solution that makes everybody happy? That's always good to know. I think, um, It's so easy, especially because, well, I don't know about all animal control, but I assume working in kind of the police department, you know, you wear the fancy uniform and (laughs) it looks just like very official and that can be kind of intimidating, you know, to open the door and have that. So it's nice to hear that there's like such a soft side to the animal control industry. Um, And I, at least you're animal control. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I hope it's across the board, yeah. but I'm sure, I mean, especially in Washington, it's such a dog friendly place. Um, yes. I don't think there's going to be a lot of animal control officers who have bad intent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think cause that's what my previous experience when I was in, um, doing like animal cruelty investigation and I would do ride alongs with the animal control officers. And that was in Oregon, so obviously also a very animal-friendly, Pacific Northwest-friendly place. But it seemed to me that was really their primary role, too. You know, sometimes there were more severe situations where 
the the dog or animal would have to be possessed, but that was for the the animal's own safety. But otherwise, it was more just them going out saying, hey, I see you have some puppies. You're going to need some deworming. You're going to need some vaccines. You know, have they been to the vet? Like, it's like an education type of thing. And just like, because a lot of times people maybe, as you said, have a husky or have a certain breed and they don't know what specific like traits of those breeds and and then hopefully they do but it doesn't always happen (laughs) yes yeah exactly and so just education I think that that's so cool that you can have that kind of role within the community rather than hopefully rather than like a scary role and that you're yes breaking those stereotypes and I think I'm afforded that opportunity because I do work somewhere where there isn't the severity of the crime where if maybe I worked somewhere where the crime level was higher I may not be afforded that opportunity to go such more the educational route, which I prefer. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a collaboration of having a highly receptive community with the best of intentions. Well said. (laughs) Well, this has been awesome, Jesse. I just want to know any last words, messages you have for the public, any information you want to plug before we say goodbye. And thank you guys for having me. Um, biggest thing is I love right now, everybody with the pandemic are looking to seek animals. And I love that the adoptions I hear from some friends that still work at the shelters that they're leaving and they're finding homes. So their shelter's not inundated, but just make sure you plan for when you go back to work that you have a plan. So the fur baby that you're in love with and you're still happy and they still have a game plan to get all the exercise and outlet once they get time to work. And a big thing, I'm incredibly happy that there is a podcast is this. I read um, this 2019, the Seattle Times had said Seattle has more dogs than they do kids. So I appreciate that there's a podcast like this that I imagine there is a plethora of people that are eager to just absorb the information that you are providing. Oh. Well, thank you. So. We yeah, we hope so. <laughs> Listen to the podcast, everyone. <laughs> well, we appreciate you too. So this has been so great. Um, I think we probably will try to have you on again and learn a little bit more about maybe some frequently asked questions, questions that our community may have for you. So stay tuned for that, everyone. But thank you so much, Jesse, and have a good day. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything you do for our community. Thank you for having me. Bye, Jesse. Bye, ladies. Bye. All content on Wither Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.